This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Let's go back in time to 1932 as Converse brings you historic footage of the legendary original Celtics with whom all great professional teams are compared. We have now taken over your radio. Richie Guerin is about to show you the most important step in getting past a man. It's the first one. And Oscar will inbound it. The men in green, the Milwaukee Bucks, that's Al Cinder against Bellamy. Hello and welcome to the Over and Back Classic NBA Podcast. I am Jason Mann. Joining me as always is Rich Cage. How's it going, Rich? Uh, good, good, good. And uh, we are also joined uh, again by Adam Johnson of Basketball Pantheon. Adam, welcome back. How's it going, guys? Good. And we today are continuing our top 50 uh, series, looking back at uh, looking at current players and seeing uh, what their case might be for being in the top 50. Jason Kidd is our uh, is our case today. And just a little bit of a uh, overall look at some of his uh, his, his numbers. He is 30th all-time in win shares, 169th in win shares for 48. He is 27th in box score plus minus, 11th in value over replacement player. He is fifth all-time, or excuse me, he has been on the all-NBA first team five times and on the second team one time. He was the runner-up to MVP in 2002. Uh, He also has four appearances on the all-defensive first team and five on the second team. He has two seasons in the top 10 in win shares, no seasons in top 10 in win shares for 48, but he has six times a top 10 in value over replacement player. He is second all-time in assists and second all-time in steals. Looking at his rankings on other uh, lists, he is 43rd in the Bill Simmons Book of Basketball Pyramid, and he is 28th in Slam Magazine's 500 Greatest Players. So uh, he's... Uh, obviously one of the greats all time as a point guard, a great passer, great defender at his position, um, the master or a, a master of the triple double. I guess we can't take that away from Oscar Robertson, but but certainly one of the masters of the triple double. Uh, lots of versatility at the position. Uh, not much of a shooter and sometimes could be a chemistry problem. But um, overall, certainly his the, the good stuff outweighs the bad. So, Adam, what do you think of Jason Kidd? Um, yeah, I, I really like Jason Kidd. I did kind of all growing up and, and, um, I have him in the top 50. Uh, the stats are a little interesting. There's not a lot of, like, if you're going over the win shares for 48, he's obviously not even very high at all on that list. Um, and so it's not necessarily, that's what you're going to look at to make his case. 
but every single team he played on or went to immediately got significantly better. Um, I mean, the Mavs kind of at the end there, but in, in his prime got significantly better. And it is weird that he was traded multiple times in his prime, but um, there seems to be reasons for each one of those. And uh, I, I do have him in. I, yeah, the triple-double stuff is awesome. I mean, he just kind of did everything possible to win. I was really a complete player other than being like a you know great shooter. He ended up being pretty good. Um, I, I really like him and, and kind of set the mold for like the big point guard, kind of quarterback style of point guard. Uh, real quickly, before we get into a lot of stuff, I want to just kind of do his comparisons, look at advanced stats from era position, all that stuff. Uh, for era and position, he's 10th in assists per 36. Uh, he's 38th in win shares per 48 amongst guards at era. Um, third in win shares, sixth in defensive, box plus minus. And then first in value replacement player. Value replacement really, really likes him. And, and interestingly enough, only 15th in turnovers per game. So, so an efficient passer uh, as well. All time in this position. Um, he actually does really, really well in this. 18th in assists per 36. Uh, 48th in win shares per 48 sixth and win shares fifth and defensive box plus minus and then first all time amongst guards and value over replacement players so that uh kind of interesting i i would not have guessed that whatsoever yeah yeah and of course that only t- that's post 74 so that exactly but, right, but, right. but still you know it, that's a good sample of the uh, nba that's higher than um i would certainly would have expected um, I mean, I think all the numbers other than the shooting are are positives for him. I mean, you know, he, he's he in, uh, you know, clearly was a great passer, a lot of evidence that he was a great leader and a great defender. Um, uh, and, and, you know, and Adam's right. I mean, he really did have, um, you know, you look at when he went to Phoenix, they got a lot better um, yep. uh, right away. Um New Jersey got a lot better. They had other, there were other reasons for that too, but they definitely got a lot better. And, you know, he, um, it took them to two finals. It was a weak East, but they, he was still, you know, clearly the most important player on that team sort of driving, um, you know, uh, that team. And he managed to, you know, really be an effective player into his late thirties. Um, you know, and, and, and as Adam mentioned, also improved dramatically as a shooter, particularly from three. And, uh, was able to sort of change the way that he played um, and still create a lot of value for um, for his teams. And, um, you know, I, there are, you know, a couple of bad endings. Uh, the the way that things went in Dallas early in his career did not were not so good. Um, I, I can't remember if Phoenix didn't really end that well or if it just was just he. Well, he got that. Uh, it was what was it? A, was it a DUI or a domestic thing? Domestic violence. Yeah, uh, I mean, it, it, that right. was that was that. Right. OK, okay. I, I, I mix. I sometimes mix up chasing a domestic violence versus DUI. Yeah, he had that and they kind of decided they wanted to wash their hands of him. Correct. Right. It was a wash of hands. And they also cited there's a multiple articles that cited. Um, they wanted to get younger. So they traded for Stefan Marbury, which is awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, one clarification I wanted to make when I was going over those numbers, I said uh, value replacement. He was the best among guards. Uh, uh, that guy, Michael Jordan, was actually at the top. I meant point guards. He, he actually is the top <laughs> amongst point guards. Magic Johnson, 77.41, and Jason Kidd is 78.20. But no, Michael Jordan is the uh, the best guard in value yeah, replacement. That, that makes sense. A shocking development. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I'm sure somebody just threw their uh, laptop across the suit. But no, no, yeah. it's, it's Michael Jordan's number one. So some some very upset Michael Jordan fan is, is already tweeting at us. But there you go. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, so, so Adam, like where, um, you know, so, so what else are, are there any other, you know, things for kid that you think separate him from maybe the other, uh, you know, either all the all time point guards or the, or the point guards for, from his era. 
Um, yeah, a little bit. Uh, I, the value of a replacement thing was really interesting. I was noticing that, too. I mean, he led the league in the lockout shortened season, um, which, you know, that's a, that's a weird season to lead the league in something. But it, but he, that season was probably his best statistical year, and that was a surprising stat that he was that high on all of those. But also, I think this is going to sound super, like, sports writery or coachy, but it's uh, he very he was so good at just making simple, like, winning plays, like deflections and there's like the right rotation at the right time, like Drew Key charges, which I'm not a huge fan of the charge call anyway, but he was good at it um, and making like the right pass, even if it wasn't an assist. Um, it wasn't like he's not like a Jason Williams where it was like just kind of crazy flashy. Like it was just the instinctual like right pass and his instincts were amazing on defense and offense. And so I think stuff like that is very, very important when you measure you know these players. When the margins are so fine between like the stats, things like that can separate certain guys. Um, so I, one question for me, there's a couple of guys who I wonder who we would put, if we would put ahead or behind, um, one is, uh, Steve Nash, um, and the other, and he might be a little bit of a surprise, but I think it's a comparison worth making as Chauncey Billups and, and both guys, you know, obviously were, um, were all, uh, you know, had similar length careers played around the same time. They all had very, um, different skill sets. I mean, uh, you know, Nash obviously was, you know, tremendous shooter. Uh, all three guys were great passers. Uh, Billups and Kidd, I think, were similar in level in defenders. Billups was a better um, shooter and scorer, um, but not as strong of a passer and as, as of a rebounder. So I, I don't know. Um, I, I'm just curious where in those um, – uh, where if you had to pick, you know, one of those guys or two of those guys, you know, what order would you kind of go? Um, I would definitely have Nash and Kid in a class above Billups. Um, I think that not just the peak, but also even just the length of their prime was greater. Um, Billups, it took a while to really get going as term, in terms of like being a top tier point guard. Um, we, on our list, we have both those guys like what, actually really close, Kid and Nash really close together, and Nash is just ahead of him. Um, on our rankings and we have Phillips pretty far back from that um, from that pack but no I think I think the kid Nash thing is, is really interesting and there are some like YouTube clips that have like games where they played against each other and it shows like you know kind of just their highlights I'm sure you guys have seen you know stuff like that and those mm-hmm. battles are really interesting because they're very I mean they're very similar but also their their kind of their size and like the way they kind of moved was very different so and obviously Kid was a much better defensive player, but Nash was a much better shooter. So it was like really interesting watching that those battles, um, and they really kind of played to a draw. It wasn't really like one guy stood out more than the other, but um, yeah. So I, in terms of those two, those guys are very very close, and I yeah I would definitely have both of them like in the top fifty, and Billups you know not. Yeah, I, I think I would have to agree uh, as well. And that's not a slight on Billups. Just looking at top fifty, though. I mean, we, we really have to, you know, slim this down to you know the best of the best or whatever. Yeah, I, I would agree that that I think that those two are kind of a class of Bill Billups for, for the same reason. Not that Billups' peak wasn't there, but the fact that you know Billups has you know those five or six years where he's just kind of floating and 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 you know not that he was horrible during those years, but it, it, it's it's a far cry from what he became you know a little bit later whereas kid you know it, it took him a little while to get to that what i would consider peak but even his lower stuff was still pretty damn good it wasn't until you know the late phoenix years uh you know as you mentioned like the lockout year a year before that and then new jersey when he just kind of exploded as kind of an all-around great player and 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 really led it led that team to stuff that you know i don't think anybody you, you know looking at that talent roster i think that's the biggest thing that i 
take from from Jason Kidd's career in a lot of ways is is looking at those guys. Yeah, in a relatively weak East, absolutely. But looking at that roster and what he was able to do and how you, you know once they faced the Western Conference in the finals, it, w- it was over, especially that Lakers team. But man, that team is not. Very, I mean, really on paper, it's not a great team. But but a lot of that was just Jason Kidd being that good at that time and and perfect to fit those sort of guys, especially you know guys like Richard Jefferson and Kenyon Martin and I mean God, Aaron Williams is his center and stuff. It's just like uh, not a very good team at all. But but Kidd, uh, you know, by virtue of him just being so good at running an offense and so good at leading a team at that point, you, you know, got them to consecutive NBA Finals, and I, I think that's remarkable. Yeah, uh, for sure. I, and I, do, I actually think Billups is a little bit closer to Kid and Nash, although in, in we'll talk about we're, we have another show about Billups coming up, so we'll talk more about it then. But um, yeah, I, you know, I guess one thing, you know, and you raised this question, which I, I think is interesting, you know, do we think that is there a part of Kid that's hurt by being too unselfish? I mean, we, we, we definitely want point guards to or or one effective thing about uh, point guards we think is obviously being able to just you know to get the ball to other guys and to create situations for them to score and to be you know to to create for others it's obviously an important part of the point guard role but what would he sometimes defer too much rather than you know than, than score himself yeah I, yeah I, that, oh go ahead uh, go ahead okay sorry little bit like myself is like because like look at the scoring numbers it's not very impressive and then I, and then I was like, okay does that hurt the legacy or does it not but then I was like if he scored you know three four more points a game or something like that or his counting you know total points was like higher he probably wouldn't have led the league and assist you know four times or whatever so it's I don't know like what where do you go and then that takes away from his legacy as well so it's like what exactly do you go with that route I think there's team like there's you know certain teammates and teams that he was on where they said we wish he was more aggressive you know scoring because he was good at it when he really wanted to be but I don't know in terms like his whole career I think it was generally favorable that he was as unselfish as he was I agree uh you know there's there's a period in, in Phoenix, and I, I read a lot about that, of, of where, you know, the teammates said, please, we need you to score. And he went out there and he, you know, he got, you know, 30 plus points per game and, you know, five, you know, five times in the last 19 games of their season or whatever, you know, had a stretch. He had 36, 32 and 31 and in three consecutive games or whatever. And, and prior to that, he had never gotten a 30 point plus game ever. So you, you sort of see that. It, where it's like, oh man, this guy really—if he really wanted to, you know—could he be that good of a scorer? But then, in, in in some respects, I'm with you, Adam. I I, I kind of like how he was, you know, working, uh, getting other guys shots, getting other guys open, working with that. Whereas, yeah, if he just became a, a selfish scorer, I don't know if maybe you lost a little bit of that intrigue that you got with him. Because I think he scored. I mean, really, we, we talk about him. And he's not like a guy who d- just completely shied away from scoring. You know, he's going up for a layup, but instead he w- he would kind of pass it. You know, that was sort of the the Jason Williams thing, you know, in Sacramento, right. where there was opportunity. Is it was like, oh man, just come on, just put the layup up instead of that. Whereas I don't think Kid ever really did that. I think he he always seemed to have a way to find the right guy. You know, somebody was streaking down. You know, somebody was cutting. Somebody was doing that. Whereas you, you never really see a situation where it was obvious that he had the better possession or had the better shot and then passed away. I think he just very much was looking for other guys a lot of the time and a lot of time found those guys and, and led efficient offenses and led you know really good offensive as well. So yeah, in in one respect, you do kind of you know, think of, Hey, what could have been, but I, I don't think it hurts his legacy. Cause I think we think of him as an all time great passer an all time great, you know, you, you know, facilitating point guard. And I think that's fine. I think that's exactly how we should think of him. And I, and, and I, yeah, I, I don't know if the scoring would have really mattered that much. If he put up, you know, two or three more points per game, if it, if it meant a downgrade, you know, in his assist numbers and, and what he was able to do with offenses. So, yeah. 
Uh, one of my favorite Jason Kidd memories is it was a he would it would either have been the Nets or, or Mavericks I forget exactly but around 0708 um, when um, he was uh, it, it was late in the game and he was coming down um, the court and he was near the sideline and he saw Mike Woodson the Hawks coach step onto the court so he or just like one step onto the court so he like bumped into him and was able to like draw like a technical foul because you know, <laughs> the coach was there on the court bumping the player and then they ended up winning that game by like one or two points it was you know I was mad at the time because it, it's the Hawks and I'm a Hawks fan but I, it was like one of those like little like just smart like you know who else would take advantage of that other than J- Jason Kidd there are very few guys who uh, you know w- would have done that and, and, and been able to pull that off and you know it was just uh uh, a very, very, very small thing, but I think a telling thing. Well, one thing I'm always curious about, Adam, I'm kind of curious on your thoughts, too. If he wins an MVP in 2002, 2001-2002 season, do we sort of think of him differently, or does he become a slam dunk for the top 50? Or I, I, I'm not a guy that usually does that sort of thing. I like to kind of look at the overall picture versus that. But I feel like you know he has an MVP under his belt. It, it kind of looks a little bit different, right? Yeah, I think it does a little bit. I mean... No one's really arguing that he should have won that one because D- Duncan was unbelievable that year. But oh yeah, yeah. But it was. But yeah, if he if he did actually somehow pull it off, if it was one of those like oh he just like great turnaround, we'll give him the MVP. Um, that probably does help the legacy. I mean, it, cer- it certainly helps Nash to have two. So like, I'm sure it wouldn't hurt right. to have one. So yeah, that's interesting. and it's funny because because they vote like story. A lot of the MVP, a lot of the criticism for a lot of people is that the MVP tends to just be like, this guy was the best story of the year. And like this team had the most dramatic, like change when he came, you know what I mean? Like, whereas he seems like a, just an obvious candidate for that sort of narrative driven MVP that a lot of times happens. And then instead they gave it to like the boring guy that was really good. And it's right. like, well, no, no, yeah. like you do that. To, you don't do that every other year. You just do it this year. Like, so it, it's kind of funny not that Duncan didn't deserve it, but you know, there, there's, at times, and and I'm fine with Duncan winning it, obviously. But the, it's it's funny how then you know a few years later you get a guy like Nash, who you know people still will argue, oh my God, you know it should have been Shaq or should, you, you know whatever. And but it was like, well, Nash was the story. You know, he comes to Phoenix, you know, he brings these guys, and, and like he's the best story of the year. He's he's that. So it's, it's kind of funny, or people bring up the value, you know, argument, and that turns into funny. But it's just funny how this particular case where you have such a great story, narrative driven MVP, and then they just give it to Tim Duncan because he's the best player in the league. Yeah, um, I, I think the similar question if the Nets had won the 03 finals, which actually is, is closer than I think is, is generally remembered. Like that was a fairly tight series early on. And then obviously the Spurs pulled away, but it wasn't like a, wasn't like the insane blowouts like some of the other like the Lakers series were during um, during that time. But or Todd McCulloch. <laughs> Todd McCulloch right. Had no chance. Exactly. So, um, I, I, yeah, I, I, so I think. I mean, I do think he's pretty safely in. Um, again, we've talked about in other shows how there's quite a few strong guard candidates and, you know, the numbers game might get close. But I think, you know, he has enough that it's it's hard to argue against him being in. I guess the, the shooting's really the only, um, you know, real issue, you know, kind of hurting some of the hurting um, him in terms of wind chairs. But other than that, um, you know, he's uh, I, I, I think he's he's likely to make it. Yeah, I agree. And, and and real quick, that that uh, that play was with Dallas against Atlanta. Yeah, which was the play you're talking about where he bumps into Mike Woodson. Okay. And when you search Jason Kidd in Google, that's like one of the first. It's like Jason Kidd, Mike Woodson. It's like yeah. the people are actually looking <laughs> for that play, which is awesome. But yeah, real quick, I had one a couple other quick things. Um, there were just kind of random things you come across when you're doing like this research. There's a a clip of a game against the Bulls when he I think is in his second year where he finished with 25, 15, 11, and six steals. 
against the, the 96 Bulls. And uh, that game actually went to overtime. Pippen had a tip-in at the buzzer, that, or pretty much like one second left, to send it to overtime. The Bulls ended up winning in overtime, of course. But it was a wild game, and it was actually really fun to watch, and Kidd was just a monster in it. One thing I do think we have to talk about, and maybe, maybe it hurts his... Or, or possibly helps. I, I shouldn't immediately assume hurts. Is the uh, the blonde hair uh, Jason Kidd oh. in Phoenix phase? <laughs> oh my god! Uh, hurt or help his candidacy, Adam? Uh, hurt, hurt. <laughs> that may have been the deciding factor when we were looking at Nash or Kidd, whether we, why we bumped Nash just ahead of him. <laughs> but Nash had the frosted tips there. Yeah, so let's not forget true. that. I mean, that's true. That's true. I guess maybe there's, Nash there's... wasn't as good when he did that, so maybe that's why it doesn't hurt him as much. Okay. But... All right. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that could be make or break. I mean, if it's between the two, it's it's it's, yeah, it's, right. it's tough. You know, yeah. I, I mean, I think Jason Kidd generally had better hair throughout most of his career. You know, Nash also had like the stringy long hair that didn't always work for him. So it's it's a tough call. It's it, it's the kind of tough calls we're gonna have to make when we uh, you know carry on our final list. We'll we'll, we'll see how it goes. All right, Adam. Anything else? Um, no, I think that's good. I mean, he's a really fun player to research. I was it was I was happy to do him. Cool. Cool. Well, uh, thanks, everyone, for uh, checking us out. You can find us at hardwoodparoxysm.com. We also have our forums at um, overandbacknba.com, which uh, you can check out. There's a lot of good discussion there about uh, different players and uh, different fun things. Um, and uh, check us out on Twitter and Facebook at overandbacknba. And uh, and we also have uh, an, a new iTunes feed for the Over and Back podcast. So if you search for Over and Back, go, go into iTunes, search for Over and Back, and give us a rating and or review. We would greatly appreciate it. It would help other people uh, find us and check us out. So until next time, thanks. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.